You know what to heck with waiting for August. I want to make my game-by-game predictions for Missouri football in 2023 coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. Thanks for making this show your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including and YouTube, and most recently on the SiriusXM app as well, where you can check out the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Chicago Cubs tonight at 645 again on the app or on channel 89 on your radio dial. But you know what? I got up this morning and I just felt like doing something a little bit different today because you know what? Why am I trying to be like everybody else? Why am I waiting for August to do my game by game predictions for the Tigers? I haven't been the moderate success that I am by playing the conventional wisdom game. No, so let's get started with it, shall we? Week one, of course, Missouri wisely, in my opinion, moves up the opener to Thursday night, South Dakota. You know, if this is as close to an automatic victory as there's going to be, right? Obviously, you just want to see good quarterback play and total domination from the Tigers, no matter who is taking that first snap. Of course, if you're asking me today, I like seems to be the conventional wisdom, as I've been predicting all summer, basically. I think Brady Cook is going to take that first snap, and if I had to pick somebody to start all season, it's probably going to be that young man. Now, if, if Sam Horn ends up beating him out, Jake Garcia, whoever it might be, I just want to see Missouri win. So regardless, that's what you're looking for against San Diego, against South Dakota. Well, San Diego, I guess, too. But but seriously, South Dakota, that's what you're looking for. Just what are the Tigers doing? You want to see dominance, obviously. So let's move on to week two, Middle Tennessee. Again, another game that Missouri should win 95% of the time. Not, the, not as easily as South Dakota. Obviously, Barry Odom's first season, I believe, Missouri lost to Middle Tennessee at home. So anything's possible. But certainly, I'm going to have Missouri move to 2-0, and and that brings us, of course, to the Kansas State game in Week 3. And, of course, the Wildcats demolished Missouri and Manhattan last season, dominating both sides of the line of scrimmage, actually injuring Brady Cook and causing him to have labrum surgery this past offseason. He had to fight through it all the way from Week 2 on in that season. So, Despite the fact that the Wildcats, again, crushed the Tigers last year, no doubt about it, no excuses here, but there is reason to believe it can be different this season, no doubt about it. First of all, you look at, simply put, you look at the projections for this season, and S&P Plus, Bill Conley, a Missouri guy, I love his projections more than anybody out there. That's just me, but... His projections have the Wildcats in the 20s right there with South Carolina, Kentucky, Arkansas, and just a little bit ahead of Missouri, who's rated 34th there, right there with South Carolina. So to me, again, Florida, you throw those teams. As I've said, coming into the season, you can kind of throw all those teams into a hat, pick one out, and you've probably got about as good a chance of figuring out who finishes with the best record as actually analyzing it for hours on end, in my opinion. 
So if I'm I'm giving Missouri pretty good chances in those Kentucky and South Carolina games, by the way. A little bit of a spoiler. But again, also not only that, Felix Anaduke, Anadike, however you pronounce his last name, Uzamo. He's a Kansas City Chief now, first-round draft pick, edge rusher. And, and simply put, the Wildcats just don't have as much pr- returning production back as Missouri. I also just happen to like this Missouri team better than most. So I think this is, at the very least, going to be a much more competitive football game in Week 3 this season than it was in Manhattan last season. At this point, as badly as I want to take Missouri in that game, I have to admit, I'm going to take Kansas State to 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 win that ball game right now. So Missouri starts off 2 and 1, hey, maybe by week 3 I'll have different thoughts. Then of course week 4, Memphis. The Tigers travel to St. Louis. Memphis has about the same road trip, maybe another hour or so up what is it? I-55, is that correct? Ah, who cares? This isn't this isn't the Atlas edition of Locked On Mizzou. But again, another game that is definitely a dicey ball game for Missouri. Memphis is a solid group of five football team. No doubt about that. But again, if Missouri's going to have the type of season that I'm hoping that they have, that I really kind of expect them to have, I think beating Memphis in St. Louis, obviously that's a must. So I'm going to give the Tigers a win there. Once again, another dicey proposition, Missouri traveling to Nashville against Vanderbilt. And while I, like all Missouri fans, chalk up a win against Vanderbilt every year, let's be honest, the last two ball games, Missouri has not exactly dominated the Commodores, have they? No, in 2022, Missouri won that game 17-14. 2021, the Tigers do win by two possessions, but don't forget that it was a Connor Basilak Hail Mary at the end of first half, at the end of the first half that gave Missouri that two possession lead. So for all intents and purposes, Vanderbilt was right there in both of those ball games. Needed a big time performance out of Tyler Beatty to win that game, if you do recall. But you know what? Hey, as the biased Missouri fan I am, I'm going to give Missouri that win over the Commodores. So that takes us to the next week. The Tigers hosting LSU, of course, with a real memorable. 45 to 41 victory over LSU in 2020. Not a great Tigers team, and I mean the LSU Tigers team in retrospect. Obviously, that was the season where they made the regrettable decision of hiring Bo Pelini to be their defensive coordinator. That was the that was all she wrote for the head coach too, whose name escapes me at the moment. Just didn't defend that national championship with a lot of honor that particular season. But it sure seems like Brian Kelly is probably the man for the job down in Baton Rouge. Is this the year that maybe they jump all the way forward? Well, even though year two for a lot of programs, I might be a little bit a little bit ambitious for LSU, they really could make that jump. And I've noticed a lot of media members, well, they're sort of the, we're bored with picking Alabama in the West every year pick. So a lot of people are going with LSU to meet Georgia in the SEC championship game. Bottom line is the projections have the LSU Tigers as the sixth best team in the country. It's just hard for me to pick the Tigers on paper at this moment. So the Tigers, the Missouri Tigers, that is, do get their second loss, at least on my paper here. But you know what? Coming up, we got some more wins on the table here for Missouri, some happier results 
than that LSU game. But hey, hopefully I'll be wrong, right? But coming up next, we got the rest of the season for you. But first, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs because these days, every new hire can feel like a real gamble for your small business. Well, you want to be as close to 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates possible. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And with simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs, again, helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks as always for making locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. And for you everydayers, you might be looking at YouTube right now in my graphic. Well, the last thing on the docket says 1997 Nebraska, greatest ever. And what I'm talking about is the game itself, just in terms of pure entertainment. Forget, be a neutral observer for a second. Is that the greatest game in Missouri football history, ending ending notwithstanding? I think it might be. I want to make that case, but I'm realizing now I don't think I have time for that one on today's episode. So check the show out next week. We'll, we'll get to it, I promise. But, of course, we got to get to the second half of this Missouri football schedule and Missouri obviously last season with a classically horrendous ending against Kentucky at home while the Tigers travel to Lexington this season where they haven't had any luck so far in the SEC. But at the same time, I like Missouri's chances against Kentucky on the road this year because last season, Kentucky basically could not move the ball on the Tigers for all intents and purposes. It's a little bit of hyperbole, but I'm telling you, I feel really confident once again that the Missouri defense can shut down Kentucky. Of course, Will Levis, the quarterback, an early second-round draft pick in the NFL, Kentucky replacing him with Devin Leary, a guy who Missouri may have kicked the tires on at some point. He was at least discussed in the transfer portal among Missouri fans in the beat. Well, Leary, a former NC State Wolfpack player, I don't know that he's some massive upgrade over Will Levis or anything. So to me, what could be another low-scoring game actually, I think, tips the advantage toward Missouri because my expectation is the Tigers are going to be at least improved this year offensively. I don't know that they're going to be great or even above average, but I do think Missouri's going to be better offensively this year. In my mind, that tips the scales toward giving Missouri the advantage even on the road. And you know what? My logic is kind of the same thing with South Carolina. What has really changed considering Missouri went to Columbia, South Carolina last season, dominated the game, Cox? Well, why would I expect that to change this year? You've still got Spencer Rattler at quarterback, and while Again, he and he and South Carolina played lights out the last couple weeks against two really prominent opponents. Well, I, I just don't know that I expect that to be to be the regular occurrence. I think a lot of people are just remembering what happened at the end of the season and and carrying that over into the next season for South Carolina and just expecting that momentum 
to continue. Quite honestly, on paper, I think Missouri and South Carolina are very similar teams. I just like the matchup for the Tigers. I liked the matchup for the Tigers last season because of that defense. And you know what? I like it once again. I just don't know that the Gamecocks are going to be able to move the ball through the air on Missouri whatsoever. So that's two more wins for the Tigers. Let's count them up. So far, one, two, three, four, five, six wins for the Tigers and two losses heading into the Georgia game. And you know what? Down in Athens, of course, ironically, the Tigers have never beaten Georgia and Columbia. Well, they've won in Athens before 10 years ago. So could it happen again? Well, I suppose it could. It was pretty close to happening last year. And again, not a whole lot has changed. Georgia is still going to be by far the better team on paper without a doubt. But, well, they'll be breaking in a new quarterback. Likely Carson Beck, though it may be Brock Vandergriff. Or, or who knows? Maybe they'll just be direct snapping the ball to Brock Bowers at some point by the end of the season. But regardless, as much as I, I hate to agree with conventional wisdom, I really do. But I think that close call in Columbia last season for Georgia – doesn't really do Missouri any favors in the 2023 season. And also, considering this game's being played on November 4th, I just think the dogs are a lot more likely to have figured out the quarterback position by that point, no matter who it is. I think we saw this back in 2020 as well. The dogs were a little bit challenged offensively in the first half of the season, but by the time they made their way to the Columbia in, in November, well, JT Daniels was the right guy for that season, and their offense kind of took off from there. I'd say even if Georgia gets off to a slow start, I bet they've got it figured out by November. Now, another, another week, another loss, unfortunately, I'm predicting to the Tennessee Volunteers, because even though this game's in Columbia this year, what can I tell you? Missouri has been decimated by the Vols under Drinkwitz. I mean, just completely dominated. Even the 2020 game, my goodness, the Tigers were just mauled up front, their defensive line, by that much bigger Tennessee unit. So I'm sorry, I, I'm just, there's no way, even if I think Tennessee could regress a little bit this season, I think that's on the table, not a prediction, but I think it's a possibility. There's no way with a straight face, as of July 27th, I can actually take the Tigers to beat the Vols. I'm sorry, I'm a homer, but I'm not that big of a homer. But speaking of home, then Florida comes to Columbia once again. And you know what? I'm going to give the Tigers the victory here because why not? I think hopefully at this point, hey, maybe the late season, while I think that maybe goes against the Tigers going against Georgia, well, hopefully the Gators season has gone a bit awry here in 2023 by November, sort of like 2021, AKA Dan Mullins last season in Gainesville. So I, you know, I, I just think that Florida has a lot of questions right now defensively. Number one, Billy Napier has proven to be a really good recruiter in this last cycle, but none of those guys are going to be out there this season. Let's be real, except perhaps Graham Mertz from the transfer portal, the former Wisconsin product. Well, I don't know. The, the, the sort of scuttlebutt out of Gainesville right now is that Mertz hasn't really taken control. None of their other Previously recruited options have taken control. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, who was very, very up and down last season, was taken in the first round 
by the Indianapolis Colts. So to me, just a lot of questions right now for Florida in year two for Billy Napier. I, I think just Drinkwitz and the Tigers are more established at this point. Again, while Florida, yeah, their recruiting classes may lead you to believe that they have more talent. Well, just the what we've seen on the field from the Gators the last couple seasons really hasn't shown that so much. And then finally, the Arkansas game. And for whatever reason, I'll be honest, most of these games, I would say 10 of the 12 games, I decided the win and loss pretty quickly. The two I had the most trouble with were Kansas State at home in week three and this Arkansas game here, the Black Friday Bowl, the the battle line rivalry. And listen, even though I said these two are the ones I had the most trouble with, that doesn't mean that Missouri can't lose all of the essential toss, essentially the toss-up games. Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, maybe even throw Vanderbilt on the road in there. They could lose any of those games. But, you know, just for whatever reason, I had by far the toughest times with Arkansas and Kansas State. And I think, really, I say what for whatever reason, I think the biggest reason with Arkansas is, what do I make of their 2022 season? Well, the Hogs start off with an impressive win, over Cincinnati, then they beat down Arkansas by 14 at home, only to beat barely beat Missouri State by 11 the next week, lose to Texas A&M, and then lose to Alabama by 23. Now, nothing against, you know, you're going to lose to Alabama most years, right? Most programs. But, you know, a three-year, four-game losing streak actually is then capped off. The next week, the Hogs lose 40-17 to to Mississippi State. But then a comeback. Hey, Arkansas, the next two weeks, they beat BYU and Auburn both by 14 to 17 points. So pretty impressive, dominant victories there by the Hogs. Hey, they're back, baby. Only to lose to Liberty by two, LSU by three. Nothing to really hang your head about there. But then they beat a good Mississippi team by 15, lose to Missouri by two the next week, and then, of course, a very mediocre Kansas team who, well, Jayhawks fans want to build a statue for their coach because they went 6-7. and seven. Meanwhile, Missouri fans want to fire theirs, a lot of them. Let's analyze that if you want. But Arkansas allows a pretty mediocre team, Kansas team, with its backup quarterback to make a huge comeback. They sneak out a 55-53 victory in the bowl game. So, wow, you want to talk about a wild ride. That's like Bitcoin in the last two years, looking at that stock chart for Arkansas. I'm just not really sure what to make of that team whatsoever. So I guess what I'm hanging my hat on here is that hopefully by the end of the season, maybe that usual brutal SEC West schedule will have taken its toll on the Hogs. But bottom line, I think I'm just kind of going one and one here. Whether it is Kansas State, whether it's Arkansas, I just don't have it in me to go two and O oh in those ball games. So I say Missouri splits those games, whichever one you think is right. Well, you tell me. So what does that end up with? That ends up with Missouri with an eight and four record in two thousand and twenty three, if my predictions are to be believed. And you know what? I'd be really happy with eight and four. Yeah, nine and three, get that victory over K State. That'd be that'd be even better. But to me, eight and four would be a great step forward for Drinkwitz and this program solidifying his position as the coach. And I think it'd be a big boon for recruiting as well. So you tell me, what are your predictions? Would you be happy with eight and four? Or is it 
10 and 2, 12 and 0 or bust. I'd like to hear that too from all of you on what's now known as X, by the way, at Locked on Mizzou or anywhere on social media. And believe it or not, this is the college football season where Brigham Young, Central Florida, Cincinnati, and the University of Houston are going to join the Big 12, which will have 14 teams this season, by the way, including Oklahoma and Texas, of course, in their final season in the conference. But according to some fans who remain in that conference, well, They tell me, all these people online, that, wow, this is all going just great. This has apparently been the plan all along for the Big 12 since 1996. Well, yes, as you can tell, I'm getting a little sarcastic here, but I had some pushback on my take that the Big 12 was the worst rebrand of all time. Well, I want to push back on the pushback coming up right after this. You know, I know in this modern, digital, internet, social media heavy world that we're all in, that everybody's attention span, including myself, is at an all-time low. But my goodness, folks, life is a lot easier when you actually listen to a person's argument before you, in fact, start making your own argument. Because here's the thing. A lot of these old Big 8 fans who got mad at me for the last couple days, well, here's the thing. If you'd have just listened to my actual argument, you would have realized that it had nothing to do about Missouri's move to the SEC. It was all about sort of pining for the good old days, about the old Big 8. By all means, if you're a Kansas State fan, an Iowa State fan, whatever, I actually understand why you would be a little sensitive on this topic because hey go all the way back to 2010 2011 there was definitely a moment where as a Missouri fan I thought oh geez if this whole shuffling of the decks thing doesn't work out great or perfectly for Missouri well we could kind of get stuck in I don't know the Mountain West or something like that now obviously if you play that out obviously Missouri wasn't going to get stuck in the Mountain West ultimately but back then there was a tremendous tremendous amount of uncertainty about where the Big 8 was going to, excuse me, the Big 12 was going to end up. And, well, as we've seen today, not only back then, Colorado left, Nebraska left, Missouri and Texas A&M ultimately left. Well, 10 years later, essentially, Oklahoma and Texas, the two big fish, the two anchors of that conference for all intents and purposes, well, they left for the SEC too. Which, by the way, if that doesn't justify... Missouri's decision to get out a decade ago I don't know what I really don't know what is because think about it concessions to Texas and Oklahoma for all those years because well as Missouri fans know now you get an equal share all 14 teams now 16 teams in the conference will get an equal share of the television revenue for instance. On the other hand, in the Big 12, well, Oklahoma and Texas argued, hey, we're the ones bringing in the most TV dollars and eyeballs. Well, we should get a bigger cut of the pie. Well, that that's a good argument. The problem is those concessions meant absolutely nothing to either one of those athletic departments in the long run and won them no brownie points with the Big 12 whatsoever. So basically, Oklahoma and Texas got what they wanted in the short term And they got the long-term money as well. So the idea that 
this went exactly according to plan in 1996. See, this is my whole point. You could have just kept the Big Eight as it was, and if you would have, heck, you may have been, you may have had the original Big Eight to this day, and maybe added a couple more teams along with it. Maybe ultimately West Virginia still ends up there, or Houston, or Cincinnati, or Central Florida, or maybe Colorado, who, by the way, is apparently coming back to the conference. Hasn't been an official announcement yet, but all indications are that that's going to happen. Heck, maybe Colorado would have come back too, and you'd have essentially had the original conference plus a couple more other teams. But instead, again, short-term money, the conference sold its soul out to the University of Texas for all intents and purposes. Well, what did that get them? Short-term, it got them more money for a while, and in the long-term, within a couple decades or so, the conference had essentially imploded in its original form. Now, you can say, hey, Actually, this modern version of the Big 12, well, we're pretty stable right now. Hey, congratulations. You guys are stable because, well, you've got a bunch of teams that don't really have anywhere else to go, quite honestly. And yeah, Missouri could have easily found itself in that same situation if the SEC hadn't thrown it a life raft. No question about that. And for all of you out there trying to dunk on Missouri fans, and well, me more specifically, guess what? The, the, the fact that Missouri had moved to the SEC 10 years ago doesn't have all that much to do with Missouri's struggles on the football field the last few years or the basketball court the last 10 years because nothing about that conference move to me says that, hey, that 2015 season, the year that Gary Pinkle got cancer and had to retire, and by the way, there was protests around the football program around campus I guess I should say about you know this that or the other if you're a Missouri fan I don't need to recap this but the point is it put Missouri in a spot where they came off their greatest coach arguably in school history and they were in a bad place where they couldn't really couldn't really expand the net as wide as they would like to in terms of trying to get a new football coach so that put them in a terrible spot, and Missouri had its own self-inflicted wounds in basketball when it hired Frank Haith and then Kim Anderson consecutively. Those were two really bad hires, one of them much worse than the other, but frankly, both of them were fairly nonsensical and put Missouri, the basketball program, back 10 years, I would say. I don't think that's really that crazy of an idea at all. The point is... Regardless of what you think about any of that, none of that had anything to do with the Southeastern Conference. In fact, I think if Missouri were still in the Big 12, maybe you'd argue it's even more likely that they hire Kim Anderson at that point because, well, he, he knows the conference or whatever. You know, Obviously, Kim never played in the SEC. So, again, all these arguments that people are making, trying to dunk on me as a Missouri fan or saying, no, we're super happy in the Big 12. Things are really stable right now. I'm just going, okay, maybe they are relatively stable in the Big 12 right now versus what they have been in the last 10 years or so. And maybe the Big 12 is going to be around for quite a bit longer. But to act like, hey, well, this was the plan all along and everything went great. I'm sorry. Again, it's you have to go back to 1996. What was the plan of the rebrand? What was the purpose of it? Certainly nobody thought, hey, in, in 15, 20 years or so, basically this conference, half the teams are going to dissolve. I'm sorry, that's not a win. 
We'd have been better off just keeping the old Big 8. That was the whole point. And guess what, folks? If you'd have listened, you'd have known that. And hey, thanks for listening, by the way, as always, to Locked on Mizzou. I'll be here with you next week for whatever comes up, including, well, the start of football practice. They haven't told us exactly what day that's happening yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hey, we're just media people, right? What do we need to know? But anyway, I'll be with you next week right here for the beginning of fall camp right here on Locked on Mizzou. Locked on Mizzou.